Thor has abandoned us to the Ettons because of them. Because they destroyed Thor's hammer. It is these that have brought this down on us. And it is these who can save us. With their help, we can still summon the power of Thor. Don't you understand, woman? Thor has abandoned us because of their evil. For crying out loud. Don't you understand that this woman is right? We can help you if you let us. Welcome to another episode of Stargate Weekly. I'm Stuart Hollis. And I'm Fat Hate. And this week we're going to talk about Season 2, Episode 6, Thor's Chariot. Yes, the sequel to the Season 1 episode, Thor's Hammer. Took you a while to get there. Did you forget words? I was trying to remember which number it was, but I couldn't at all. Fair enough, yeah. (laughs) Uh, 12. Let's say it was Episode 12. Why not? Well, I suppose what number it was depends on how you define these things. Yeah, so, whatever. Uh, it was episode not 8, 9, or 10, depending on how you number these things. So our synopsis from TV Guide. After destroying a planet's line of defense, O'Neill and the SG-1 team find themselves helping the inhabitants fight off a gold invasion. Okay. Yeah, my beef with that is find themselves as this as if like the episode opened with them like waking up and be like, oh shoot, the Gould are invading. It also kind of makes it sound like they destroy the planet's line of defense this this week. Yes, it it does that too. The Stargate Wiki uh, says the Gould Hero Ur has discovered that Samaria is no longer protected by Thor's hammer, which SG One destroyed to save Teal'c, and is enslaving the natives. Their only hope is to somehow contact the mythical Thor and his people. But that wasn't... Hmm. It's not like Gerwin said, Hey, we have a way to contact Thor. Right, yeah. The fact that they actually managed to contact Thor was sort of a surprise. So It was, as they say, happy accident. Speaking of Thor, this is the only episode in which he is not voiced by Michael Shanks. I don't think i realized that he was voiced by michael shanks in every other episode in this episode he's voiced by mark gibbon and no i don't know what else mark gibbon has been in. i don't know but i hear that he gibbers <laughs> so our episode opens up back at the sgc sam is talking nerd stuff about such and such planet is along a major ghoul intergalactic highway system or something and needs to be demolished i mean they need to set up a research base there so that they can monitor yeah they're talking about the seeker project which sounds cool and then they never mentioned again ever <laughs> yeah <laughs> um but then we get a inbound traveler unauthorized and somehow uh the sergeant at the computer who is not walter says that they're not receiving an IDC despite the fact that the wormhole hasn't opened yet. That happens all the time. Yeah, that they, that they and it's wrong all the time. I mean, yeah, yeah sure, they haven't received an IDC, because they can't yet. 
Yeah. And instead of an IDC, what they what they get is a big thud. Yes, there is a big thud, and uh, after analyzing the atomic residue left behind by the thud, they determine it's the box that they gave to the Sumerians, who are the people they visited in Thor's hammer. Yes. Carter says that the box had a distinctive nuclear signature, and I feel like she meant to say radiological. Yes, I would imagine. I guess they sent a MALP through? They did. Yeah. Disappearing MALP that isn't there when they actually go through the gate. Sure. They see Garwin there next to the gate, and she's mouthing something, which I could tell what she was saying without having to turn up the gain on the MALP's mic, but apparently no one else could. So... Does the MALPS mic not normally output anything at all? Uh, yeah, that's... I feel like in that case it maybe would have been better to be like, you know, like turn on or turn up the MALPS mic or something like that. Because I feel like if just turning up the gain, that mic just played Garwin's voice without any background noise very well for a mic with his gain turned way up. Yeah. Yeah, well... She's... She's literally... A rocket scientist. She's he's not a mic scientist. Uh, audiologist? Is that a thing? Maybe. Probably? But that might be like hearing and not like uh. outputting sound. That might be like, you know, your ears. Yeah, okay. I don't know. Yeah. I'm neither an uh, earologist nor a microphoneologist. Right. So once the team goes through the gate, Teal'c gives us a little bit more information about why Thor's hammer was so effective. Because the Gould system lords will send like a scrappy band of Jaffa through a gate, and if they don't come back, then clearly there's no point in sending more like more Jaffa through the gate, and that feels like the exact opposite of what I would expect the system lords to do. Yeah, like if they don't return, I want to find out why. Uh, yeah. Which is like, oh. a thing that always, which bugged me in Thor's hammer, is like, how does this actually protect them? What is stopping the ghoul from showing up in ships and, like, blasting it? Uh, yeah, it's... <sighs> yeah. So, yeah. I did like the uh, the conversation with Hammond. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is, like, just before they go back to the planet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, you know, well, General, I gave the order, and it was, and it was there to save my life, and I fired the staff weapon, and I helped. And Carter's like, I was right? there. Yeah, that was good. The destruction of the hammer device to save my life may have caused this. If so, I am responsible. General, I gave the order. And I fired the staff at the machine. And I was there. Yeah. Yeah, that was good. So what happens when they get back to the planet? Well, they meet up with Gerwin and then hide from some Jaffa. And then they tell Gerwin that they should probably go see... Kendra. That's it. Kendra, the woman they met last time who mm -hmm. had previously been a Gould. And instead of telling them that Kendra's dead, Gerwin takes them to Kendra's grave. She hesitates first as if like, should I tell them that she died? Nah, nah, this is better. Yeah, w a weird situation there. Uh, yeah, and I was thinking at first maybe it was because, oh, well, how else are we going to get the Sam playing with the Gould hand devices? But Garwin could have just, just as easily been like, oh, sadly Kendra died. She left these behind, 
perhaps you would want them or you know, right yeah they, there could have been there, a, but another way to there could have been that. a way without going to kendra's grave yeah yeah so i i liked the bit where daniel points out that ragnarok is the norse armageddon the end of the world as opposed to all of those sunshine and rainbow armageddons that oh yeah like other cultures have well you know armsageddon armageddon is the end of the world but legageddon nah that's just another day yeah but you can't skip it that's true you cannot skip legageddon never skip legageddon (laughs) yeah but you can definitely skip armageddon i mean that's really preferred uh, should you really be skipping arm day though i mean shouldn't you not no, skip no, no, any day armageddon armageddon yeah yeah you can skip your day your day <laughs> is is that a thing like i feel I'm like sure it is there probably is weird, like there yeah. probably are ear fitness people because of course there are i mean there are people who can like you know, can like make their ears move up and down so there's clearly muscles attached to them in some people yeah i suppose that's true I don't know if that's one of those like weird like vestigial things that it's like some people have the muscles in there and some people don't. It's kinda like the weird vein thing in the wrist and there's a couple other instances. Uh some people are able to uh pick things up with their toes and some people are not. Some people hmm. can curl their tongue and some people cannot. The curling the tongue thing, it can be taught. It is not a genetic marker. Huh. Okay. Yeah. It is, that's, that's just straight muscle control. Okay. But prehensile toes is a genetic thing. Uh, I'll allow that. And obviously some are better than others, but yeah. Like there are people who can write with their feet and that's just like. Uh, yeah, those are weird. Those, the, the, it's like, no, no, why, why? Like, how did you learn this? Like, why did, like, at what point were you like, you know what I'm going to try doing? Like, you know what I'm going to do today, instead of mopping the floors, I'm going to try to learn how to write with my feet. Cause the, you know, that's how it happened. It was like. I just can't be bothered to mop the floors today. Yeah, or something. That was someone with way too much time on their hands. Well, time on their feet now, really. (laughs) So, how about the conversation in the cave with Garwin, where she's like, oh gosh, if only only we could access the Hall of Thor's might. Shucks. I guess we can't. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like she was trying to drop a hint there. Garwin's an odd duck. A little bit. So, speaking of things in Garwin, how the heck did the illusion chamber bridge cliff thing work? Because it looked like they fell and then they were just like right there on the floor? Right. But, like, like for instance, Garwin had... Garwin's, you know, cloak was dangling over... The, her leg was dangling over the side. So, we know there actually was a ledge. Oh, Okay. If it were the holodeck on the Enterprise, how would it be working? Okay, sure, but I feel like Asgard holographic technology is not that advanced. Otherwise, the image of Thor would look more like Thor was actually standing there and not like a astral projection. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well. Anyway. So they go, they go to check out the Hall of Thor's might. Well, mm-hmm. Sam and Daniel... Sam, Daniel, and Gerwin do. Yeah. Teal'c and Jack go to set mortars. Claymores. Claymores, thank you. Yeah. And we find out what else they carry in those big old rucksacks. They carry suppressors for their weapons, yeah. apparently. And a lot of C4 that just, like, just, you know, carry around C4. It, C4 is, like, 
you know, think, you know, future knowledge, think of Atlantis and all that jazz. Like, like every team member is always carrying one or two small things of C4 at all times. Oh, yeah. No, they are. It's just, it seems strange to me that they are always carrying C4. You never know, man. Sometimes you just gotta blow things up. Yeah, for real. Yeah, we'll blow up that bridge when we get to it. No. The bridge is too well guarded. So, uh, Teal can, and Jack and Sumerian number three. I was going to say Viking number two, but Sumerian number three works. Yeah. Are out there, you know, laying a trap for the Gould. The Sumerian number three, he gets captured, but he's having none of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jack and Teal open fire on the Jaffa, pointedly not shooting at the Gould right away because... <sighs> reasons. Yeah, seriously. Because the Gould had time to turn on his shield. Right. Yeah, no, that was my note. It was like, let me just casually turn my personal shield on here. Ah, oh, that's better. <laughs> like, why did they not just take the Gould out with a headshot? SG-1 is, like, batting a thousand when it comes to carefully laid ambushes. <laughs> yes, quite. <laughs> also, I, I still, and this has come up before... If the bullets are plinking off the Jaffa armor, which we hear them do, how are they killing the Jaffa? They're not... The noise that a bullet makes when it hits metal does not necessarily mean that it bounced off the metal. It could make a similar noise if it was punching through the metal. Eh, would it? I don't know how much a bullet would flash when it's penetrating metal, a la all of Hollywood forever, and, you know, Vancouver would, in... The case of SG One, you know, I I really don't know. I've never Vancouver Woods. Yeah, uh, I've never like really shot at metal plates with machine guns, so I don't know. Maybe sparks fly. Maybe they don't. But I have to imagine that the bullet makes roughly the same metal on metal impact noise if it's put punching through the metal as it does if it was being stopped by the metal. Like, maybe slightly different, but there would still be a metal-on-metal noise. There would still be a metal-on-metal noise. It's not like it's like, plink, 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 or... Okay. All right. Speaking of... The very end of the episode, Mm -hmm. when Daniel is telling us that the Sioux used to say, today is a good day to die, obviously I thought of Worf. Yes, that's From the beginning of First Contact. Perhaps today is a good day to die. Yes, and him, like you know, futilely, <laughs> futilely hitting against the control panels, and then just going like, yeah, you know, and the control panel is making like the weird like error noise that Star Trek control that Star Trek control panels make, which kind of reminds me of listeners. I would like to point out that it was Stuart that brought up Star Trek this time. Yeah, just say it. But yes, no, I thought about that too. Okay, what did you think of the the mystery room? So we had the the Hall of Thor's might, and then I guess there was the small, like the large walk-in closet of Thor's wisdom. So, Pi is not what they said Pi is. They said that Pi is the ratio of the radius to the dia- to the circumference, but it's the ratio of the diameter to the circumference. So he should have drawn a line the whole way across the circle. That's a good point. 
it wasn't until my second or third watching, like up until my second or third watching, rather, uh, I was wondering, I like how, like how did they do like the cool effect of him drawing in the sand while it's on the wall? And then I watched more closely and realized, oh, okay, they do like the pa- the, the close up pan. So clearly, it's it, it's mounted horizontally, not vertically. Also, if he was doing the radius, he did not start in the center of that circle. He had to eyeball it, and he has bad eyes. Why didn't he wear his glasses? Hmm. And my other thought is, would it really be the... I mean, I don't know. Did the ancient Norse have the base 10 number system? And even if they did, I guarantee they didn't have decimals. But the Asgard do. Well, the Asgard have numbers, but and they have decimals. But they, they have... wouldn't necessarily the Asgard wouldn't necessarily use numbers the same way we use numbers. I don't know what number system the ancient Norse used, but it doesn't matter if they had decimals because Jack because the runes just said like it was just the rune for three, fourteen, fifteen, and nine. It was like there wasn't like the rune for period. Also, now this I did not know because I am not an ancient Norwegian. Only a Minoan, but. Uh, the runes did not actually do not actually represent those numbers. Did they accidentally hire like a fake? <laughs> no, I don't think we have a Voyager uh, Native American thing going on here. But uh, anyway, the rune that was supposed to represent fifteen also actually represents nineteen. Oops. Yeah, so close. Also, apparently, Daniel misinterpreted a couple of those runes too. When he was saying what the words actually mean. But he sounded really sure of himself, and that's all that matters. When they first walk into the Hall of Thor's Might, and the hologram appears, and Garwin, and then disappears, and Garwin's like, Oh no, have I upset Thor? And Sam tells her, It's okay, it's just a holographic projection. Like, what what, what, what good is that response to Garwin? Yeah, she's not going to know what that means. Yeah, Like, neither of those words mean anything to her. Okay, the Norse did use base 10. Cool. Okay, so the Norse used base 10, but Daniel still got the runes wrong. So, half credit. They also, and Carter got what Pi was wrong. Quarter credit. Like, I feel like at that point, uh, Thor's just sort of watching on a camera. He's like, well, that was close to the right thing for Pi. I'll I'll take it. (laughs) They're a backwards people. (laughs) Also, like, the weird, like, no, wait, give us more time. It's just like, pause on the hologram yeah that was weird too yeah but i i definitely got these these uh like future knowledge memories of um merlin Mm. Uh, was it they they go to uh that location in england or wherever yes right yeah yeah that's in the first episode of uh season nine of sg1 yeah yeah and they have the different puzzles that they have to do and they're divided up into two groups there like mm-hmm. yeah i remember that one that was good yeah yeah i i look forward to talking about that one mm-hmm. in you know three or four years give or take yeah so have you ever heard the expression aim small miss small i have not but i can gather what it means by hearing it yes uh i kind of feel like jack's version of that is aim small why aim at all with his off the hip shooting of the Jaffa at one point. Yeah. It's very Rambo esque and not really becoming of Jack at all. It doesn't seem like something that someone from Special Forces would do. 
No, not particularly. But O'Neill with two L's. Yeah, he was in the Special Forces, but it kind of feels like he was like a, like in like the laid back Special Forces or something. Not that laid back. We saw he's done things that you know would make him a criminal. Remember? Well, I remember him telling us that, but that could just be all talk. And then we had earlier this season, we had the in the gamekeeper. We find out he was on that you know special op in eastern in East Germany. That goes totally sideways because he's a laid-back special forces person. Hmm. And in uh, Solitudes, we find out that he had that crash-landing parachute jump in uh, Iran. Yeah, and then he had like a nice little vacation in in Iran. Hmm. Okay. Whatever. Oh no! Sorry, sorry. Laid up because of the broken bones. Not laid back. My bad. I've been getting this wrong this whole time. <laughs> Like like teal with the with that expression. Like I I do O'Neill with two L's definitely has more uh, definitely is has more has humor a personality. Yeah, and has a sense of humor. O'Neill with one L has no sense of humor. Yes, uh, yes, and I did love Teal's. Uh, Things will not calm down, Daniel Jackson. They will in fact calm up. <laughs> yeah, that was classic Teal. Yeah, Teal's death is immaterial to this conversation. <laughs> Except it is material to this conversation. Well, it's always material to all of our conversations, obviously. Mm-hmm. So we find out in this episode that Daniel is afraid of heights. I don't recall if that ever comes up again. Yeah, I don't know. But something like ha- something with, to do with like how he phrased it. He didn't say like my little fear of heights or like that. He has like a I think he said like I have like a thing about heights or something like that. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, it made me think, okay, so when you travel, you start sneezing. You have a thing about heights. You're like, you know, you don't like to die. Man, Daniel, what aren't you allergic to? Okay, who does like to die? Uh, hold on, I'm thinking. Doctor Strange? He didn't like, well, he wasn't necessarily like against it. Hmm. Or he'd come to bargain. Yes, he had. Oh, so I have another uh, nitpick that I didn't notice, but the internet noticed for me. Okay. Uh, the set for the Stargate on Sumeria is not even remotely similar to the set for the Stargate on Sumeria last season. Hmm. It was in a large open field in Thor's it Hammer. Was. And in, yep. Yeah. Maybe they planted some trees? Super fast growing trees. In celebration of Thor. You don't know how the place works, Sumeria? The, the gold maybe soil? moved the Stargate? They probably didn't move the Stargate. And let's talk about how they build those pyramids that was odd yes like how did the stuff get there in the first place like where were they getting the materials i don't understand any of this yeah it was definitely strange yeah it reminded me a lot of halo 2 at one point where they like pan over to see them being built there's a moment in the early like the first chapter of halo 2 where you round this corner you can watch the enemy get drawn (laughs) <laughs> on the screen, which I will mention on our other podcast, Delta Flyer. Well, by the time this episode comes out, you may have already mentioned it. Timey-wimey. Yeah. I just don't have a lot to say about this episode. I don't either. I was hoping you did. No. it. I fear this episode falls from the same problems that we've had with a bunch of other episodes in that when the episode is pretty good, we don't have as much to say. <laughs> we we There have been... Plenty of times that it's been a good episode and we've still had a lot to talk about because, like, 
really great lines or moments or whatever. And this one was just sort of, it was like, it was above average across the board, but it wasn't, it didn't really stick out in any particular way. We finally see what the Asgard actually look like, but I, I think, what tempers that a lot is that for you and I, it's not new information. Right. So like the, like, you know, the surprise of like, you're like, Oh, is, you know, it, it, it's gone for us. Yeah. So I like it better in later season, later episodes when we get more of Th- Thor's personality, Supreme commander. <laughs> nice. Season six. Yeah. Yeah. Season six. The only clip show I like. <laughs> Period. Just, that's it. The only clip show ever, period. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I, you know, they, they went there, they did their mission, they got done. I don't, didn't have a lot to, to talk about. It was enjoyable to watch. It was. But, I kind of, yeah, I just kind of feel like in the broad scheme of things, like, maybe it set up Harrer as a, as a returning villain, but only briefly. Not like... I feel like Harrower appears again, but he's never, like, super important to the overall plot. Yeah, I mean, he's not Apophis. Oh, so this is the first episode that we see Jaffa with another uh, head symbol. Yes, I was, yeah. I was going to mention that, and then I forgot to write it down. Now, they don't actually say that at any point on the show, on the episode, but they have a different symbol than the ones we've seen before. And we know with future knowledge that that symbol means that they are Jaffa of Harrower. I kind of feel like they did they did mention it. I thought. I mean, I guess on the sh- I guess on this episode they only talk about the Horus guards mm-hmm. and not the symbol on the Jaffa's foreheads. Okay. Yes. And I, f- I felt like they were going to in the very beginning when the Malp comes through and you see the dead Jaffa and Jack says, "Friend of yours." Yeah. Yeah. I felt like Teal would say, "That is a that." that mark is the mark of Harrower, but he didn't. Uh, yeah, no, it's not until later in the episode where Jack didn't, like, the way Jack was asking, hey, what's up with the heads, as if, like, he had forgotten about Abydos, he then brings it up, like, not even two or three seconds later, but how he was asking made it seem like he had forgotten all about the yeah. horse guards on Abydos. And the fact that Teal'c didn't say... This mu- they must be harrowers means that we haven't yet fleshed out in the plot that the symbols on their heads mean they belong to harrower. Otherwise, Teal would say they must they are harrowers. Right? Yeah. They the uh the writers have apparently hit upon the idea that we'll have different forehead symbols for the different groups of Jaffa, but not quite completely on the idea of and the different symbols will symbolize the specific system lord to whom they serve and not sort of like, you know, like these are European Jaffa and these are North American Jaffa. Yeah. But, you know, we're getting there. Baby steps. Yeah. Getting close to the standard Stargate, you know, I don't know the word I'm looking for. Lore? Yeah, there we go. It's not quite what I was looking for, but it'll do. Fair enough. Canon's not quite right. No. Yeah, I don't know. So for like a split second, I thought I recognized the Jaffa that tells them to surrender, but then I didn't. As in, recognized as in, hey, I went to school with that guy, or recognized as in, I've seen him on other episodes of things. <laughs> the latter. <Yeah. laughs> the former would have been cooler. The former would have been 
very strange since this episode aired in 1998 when I was 12. Okay, that's true. That's true. Could have been a very precocious Jafar. <laughs> no, like for half a second he looked slightly familiar and I was gonna say he was, um, now I can't think of the actor's name, but he wasn't, so it doesn't matter. I know, this is riveting content. Sam can use can use gold hand devices. Yeah, see, there's some information that we learn. Yep. How? I mean, it doesn't come up all that often, but there's some information. Obviously, this is the first time we see the Asgard. They will return a few times. There's also, um, when Gerwin says that, you know, Thor had said that they were too young to talk to the Asgard yet, it, that's very reminiscent of how the Nox re- reacted to them. I had missed her saying that, but you're right, it is. And another thing, uh, the actor who played Heru-er also played one of the Jaffa in The Serpent Slayer. Ah, so he got a he got a uh, promotion. That's good. That's nice. <laughs> it's interesting, because presumably he would have died. God cannot be killed. He was, in fact, the first prime of Apophis... If we are to assume that a gold forehead marker means first prime this early in the show. Mm. Yeah, they never, I mean, they haven't uh, really decided what they're going to flesh out and what they aren't yet. So they definitely have not touched on that. Yeah. So did you notice uh, towards the end when they're asking SG-1 and the Sumerians to surrender, the one guy is like, you there that came through the cha-a-pa-a-ta-a-a-i. Yeah, that's the guy I was saying I might have recognized. Okay, she's like, like really drawing out the word and throwing some extra syllables in there the for cha-a-pa-a-i, good measure. The yeah. Yeah, yeah. It reminded me of uh, Crocodile Dundee. I guess it's Crocodile Dundee 2. I am so glad that Danny McBride Crocodile Dundee 4 turned out to be completely fake. Oh, really? It was just there to, like, for a commercial? Yeah. Oh, thank God. I know, right? Oh, thank God. I really like Chris Hemsworth, but... <sighs> oh, boy. Kevin Dillon was the actor I very briefly thought it was, but it wasn't. Okay, okay. And speaking of the Chapa Eye, how the heck did Jack get to the planet Samaria? If he's all like, the Hall of Thor's might, that's just a bunch of myth- mythological mumbo-jumbo. That was Jack just being jack but that's the sort of thing they have jack say all the time though yeah but yeah like you know you went through the hammer with teal you know that like some of their mythological stuff is real yeah you you know you met you met the unas mm-hmm that teal said was a myth that's true teal told him he was a myth teal told yeah. the unas he was a myth which seems like I'm a saying. very you know interesting choice teal is nothing if not interesting indeed well i'm pretty much done it was a solid episode season two is definitely off to a better start than season one but uh i just uh, unfortunately don't have a lot good or bad to say about the episode it's worth watching i don't regret it i'm not sad that i watched it twice but (laughs) i'm not uh you know not like a big uh, big hurry to watch it again anytime soon yeah, I think uh, Thor's hammer is definitely the better of the two. Oh, yeah, totally. You know, for one thing, it introduces us to the very idea of the Asgard, whereas this one is like, yeah, it, 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 this one feels old hat in comparison to Thor's hammer, um, even though it does introduce new and exciting things, like Sam Sam can use cool hand devices, the Asgard look like this, they're 
wicked powerful, etc., etc. But yeah, it just kind of feels old hat after Thor's hammer. Yeah. Well, if you had any thoughts on the episode that you wish we had talked about, uh, hit us up on Twitter at Stargate Weekly. Or you can send us an email to StargateWeekly at gmail.com. We're also on Facebook, Stargate Weekly, there as well. Uh, shoot us a like or subscribe to our page. That's a thing you can do, right? You can subscribe to pages on the Facebook. On the like them, which... Uh, well, then, I mean, like it, I guess, but we're not very active on Facebook. It's true. Twitter's where we hang out. Uh, speaking of which, you can find me on Twitter, at Tyrannicus, where, fair warning, I mostly talk about Star Trek, but I do occasionally st- talk about Stargate as well, and other random things. And you can find me on Twitter, at Gamicus, where I just retweet stuff. I'm not nearly as active as uh, as my co-host here is. We also have our website, StargateWeekly.com where you can find every episode of every season of the show going back in time. And, well, if you are in the future listening to this episode, then technically it'll also give you episodes in the future. That's true. Timey-wimey. And if you like listening to us talk about Stargate, you may also want to hear us talk about Star Trek Voyager. And in that case, you can check out our other podcast, Delta Flyer. What do you mean, may? Of course they want to. There's probably, like... Some people that only like Stargate and don't like Star Trek. Yeah, but they like us. That's why they're here. And to show how much they like us, they should subscribe to the show if they haven't already. What else should they do? They should leave us reviews. And ratings? Yeah. Ratings and reviews? And if you leave us a five-star rating, or if you leave us a one-star rating, we'll also mention it. Uh, (laughs) You leave us either kind, we will mention it. Uh, we won't, if you leave us a one star rating, we may say some interesting things, but, uh, and I'd say that's our show. Yeah. to the supplement to stargate weekly this is your host ben nielsen and i have two guests here with me this week um you may have heard of them on other podcasts before i'm um, including the excellent delta flyer um welcome Stuart and thad hi it's great to be on stargate weekly i've been a big fan of the show i love this show uh, it's pretty it's yeah it's pretty good it's pretty solid it's really well edited i think absolutely just great job <laughs> Uh, this week we have some uh, questions, and don't worry, viewer, uh, listeners, um, this is not a hostile takeover. Um, this is just something for fun. Uh, so our first question here for this week is uh, favorite family relationship. Um, so I started with um, two that I mentioned in earlier weeks, um, and that is the relationship between Sam Carter and her father, uh, Jacob, uh, both because... Weirdly, they had a sort of negative relationship to start with, and that was part of it, but clearly a motivating factor in Sam's life. Um, and then, of course, using Selmac to actually heal that relationship a bit was really inventive. And so I like seeing the two of them together. Yeah, no, I completely agree. That was also my pick. 
Nice. And you'd think, you might have thought that I was going to do McKay and Miller, but no, my pick was also Jacob and Sam. Oh, perfect. We got, we did it. Our first trifecta. Nice. Yeah. This is what happens when you let me host, guys. It just <laughs> tens across the board. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Our next question is favorite guest character. So um, naturally, there are a ton of guest characters, and so this oh, yeah. is really challenging. So I tried to limit myself to they couldn't be in more than like three episodes, otherwise they just become sort of a minor character. Mm. Um, but that's not a that's not a hard fast rule. Um, and so my favorite guest character is actually um, Travel um, from the Tolana people. Um, I appreciate that she is a leader, no nonsense, clearly over every scene she's in whenever she has to talk to any of our humans um, and is part of uh, a really excellent episode, which is called Shades of Grey. I love Shades of Grey. Yeah. Nice. And that that will lead very well into a future answer for me. But uh, my favorite guest character is has been in more than three episodes, uh, so screw your rules. Uh, <laughs> and he is Todd the Wraith. Nice. Ooh, Yeah. Uh, I went. Uh, I went straight SG one on this one, Colonel Mayborn. Oh, very interesting. Nice. <gasps> That's a great answer. And he's in Shades of Grey. Yeah, because I because I, I also really appreciate his sort of semi redemption arc over the course of the ten seasons of SG one. It's kind of a shame that we don't get him even a little bit in either Atlantis or Universe, but. I don't really care for the last episode he's in when he and Jack are hallucinating on that planet. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. All right. But the rest of it's great. Yes. Uh, yeah. So question number 17, favorite villain. Uh, so naturally, lots of choices here. Um, but I went with the clear and obvious choice of Ball. Any of them, really. And then Bachi? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Also Ball. All of He's them. got jokes, gentlemen. <laughs> so my favorite villain uh, is Stuart's favorite guest character, Harry Mayborn. Nice. And Ooh. my best uh, response here is the quote from Watergate, holy frozen bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, just Mayborn is just so perfectly skeevy and like you, you hate him from the moment he shows up, and he just is great in the role. Mm-hmm. I don't even, off the top of my head, know the name of the actor, but he is a character actor. I've seen him in a bunch of other stuff, mostly stuff also shot in Vancouver. <laughs> and yeah, he's just really good. Well, if I wasn't obvious about it, my choice was also Ball. Nice. Which one? <laughs> ball of them. Nice. <laughs> Awesome. So our next question is favorite alien race. And so I may have tipped my hand briefly, um, but my favorite alien race is totally the Talana. Um, just excellent. I like really advanced species or sort of species or civilizations in um, sort of sci-fi in general um, who sort of don't go the power angle. They seem to be more like, no, we're just kind of cool having excellent high-collared cowls and our sort of shiny rooms <laughs> and uh, some uh, neat looking buildings but um, definitely the Talana for me 
So, yep. at the risk of nitpicking, no, I am nitpicking. Uh, <laughs> uh, the species is the Tolan. The Tolana is the name of their planet. Well, I'll see myself out. If uh, it's been great. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's a great choice. I yeah. I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. Um, nice. And my favorite is the Asgard. Excellent choice. And I'm not really sure that I need to describe that better, just because the Asgard are awesome. <laughs> Especially Supreme Commander Thor. Nice. I went with the Furlings. <laughs> <laughs> now, are you talking the actual concept of the Furlings, or the the Ewok ripoffs that we saw in uh, the joke episode. Uh, actually, neither. Uh, in this, um, the the one, my actual pick is um, I don't know if they ever got a name, uh, but from Universe, the aliens who are on the the seed ship oh, that help save yeah. Telford's life. Okay, and, and then um, like work with them a little bit and also kind of deceive them a little bit uh when they go up against the like the the computer drone race nice. they did have a name but i don't remember what it is yeah but those guys those are probably my favorite it's a good choice excellent uh so our next question is favorite quote uh and this one is challenging because i feel like there's a lot of good jokes in this franchise <laughs> um but i'm definitely gonna I tried to like actually think of this and not have to look through things, but um, uh, Teal asking what is an Oprah, it's pretty good. <laughs> uh, but the, my actual choice is definitely when um, Val is trying to explain her situation and goes, um, "Hasn't anyone ever heard of a woman um, becoming pregnant without copulation?" And Teal says, "Yes, <laughs> Darth Vader." Yes, which I appreciate. Yeah, and the best part of that is like because Sam says, "Well, there is one." Yeah. And you know yeah. that they're gonna say they're gonna say uh, you know Mary, but Tilk mm-hmm. just says Darth Vader. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I love that. Good choice. Excellent. Yep, Stuart. So it's Mister now from the shrine. Because Doctor McKay is smart. Yeah, and I'm not smart anymore, so it's Mister now. Yeah, man, that episode had me a mess. Yeah. But anyway, my choice is. Because I, I went humorous instead of... Then it feels sort of hollow now after your super deep thing of the shrine. <laughs> and I think I'm going to have to watch that when we're done recording. But anyway, mine is... My depth is immaterial to this conversation. Oh, you see? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Nice. Uh, yeah, so bringing us to our next question. Favorite team moment. And so I feel like... Again, this is a question that I could have 20 answers to, so I just chose my absolute favorite. It's from episode 200, um, the definitive comedy sci-fi episode of all time, in my opinion. Um, And it's definitely when everybody gets to go through the gate at the same time, including Walter, who magically transforms into new clothes. Mm -hmm. One last jaunt through the old orifice. (laughs) (laughs) We call call it that sometimes. Right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's a good choice. Nice. Dad? Uh, Mine is uh, related to my favorite quote. It's the scene in Lost City when they're sitting around drinking beer at Jack's house. That's a really good choice. Uh, Mine was when they are solving Merlin's puzzles in England. (laughs) And the team's been split and they're all trying to... 
it's kind of like a weird cheat on the team moment because it's not they're not all in the same room at the same time, but they're all collectively trying to solve this puzzle, but from different angles. The team is so strong they don't even have to be in the same room, yeah. right? Because he got the band back together. <laughs> he did get the band back together. Nice, Cameron. Oh man, Cameron Mitchell, I think, uh, is an honorable mention for uh, underrated character. BFF. Oh, I thought you say BFF. <laughs> I thought you were going to say BFF as well. Oh, he'd make a good BFF, too. But I know, like, a lot of people sort of panned his inclusion in Season 9 because he was basically Discount Jack. But I think that he was enough of his own character to make it work. Similar to when Bo Bridges came in as Landry, they were very big shoes to fill, and they very quickly made it clear that they were wearing a different kind of shoes. Mm-hmm. Nice. And then our very last question... Uh, for this round is your favorite shippy or shipper moment. I just want to register my disgust at the word <laughs> shippy. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, that's why I changed it from what you gave me because I don't like it either. <laughs> um, and so this, I feel like this isn't necess- this might be a cheat because it's just straight canon. But I really enjoy like the Sam Pete relationship. I don't care. If she really should be with Jack, I like Pete a lot. And so anytime that he just has his sort of Labrador Retriever eyebrows that droop down <laughs> when he looks at her, because he goes, this is obviously a genius out of my league. I like that. So is that like Speet or Pam? <laughs> is their shipper named Pam, I guess? Ew. Mm. It's not good. Speet? No. Spam? Pete Mantha. <laughs> Pimantha or Samer? I don't like any no, of these. None of these are good. No. no, they're all they're all that's why it's not gonna work. Um Ted. Alright, so mine uh was also a real thing that happened in the show, and it's really uh a combination of of two. I know, I'm cheating. We encourage that here. But it's um first off, from the episode that we've mentioned before, and I will mention again, the shrine. Uh, when Rodney is recording his farewells, and he leaves the one for Keller that s- simply says, I love you. I have for some time now. I just thought you should know. And then later in the season in Brainstorm, mm-hmm. when she says it back to him. Oh, yeah. I like that. That's a solid one. Uh, mine is from Window of Opportunity. Ah. Where he resigns so he can do this. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. Uh, yeah, so that's this week. Um, I dutifully hand back the podcast. Thank you so much. <laughs> um, and we'll see you next week. Thanks for hosting. You know that bitter taste in your throat? It's kind of wrapped around your uvula. That's what's left of your pride. Perhaps you could curb your amusement. For a moment. If we're going to work together, the first thing we should discuss is strategy. Now, your attempts at meeting the replicators head-on are Jacob, only going to result... Jacob. What? I got it.